This is episode 371 of the AWS podcast, released on May 27, 2020. Podcast confirmed. Welcome to the official AWS podcast. Hello and welcome back to the AWS podcast. Simon Alicia here. This is a special episode, part of our special series called Right Now at AWS, which focuses on enterprise customers across industries. Hope you enjoy it. This is Right Now at AWS, the podcast series that services best practices, patterns, and successful solutions from enterprises across every imaginable industry. I'm your host, Katie Daftis, and today we're going to answer this. Why are enterprises migrating to the cloud right now? Here to talk with us is Steve Peacock. He is a Senior Migrations Advisor for the AWS Migration Acceleration Program, or MAP as we call it. Steve, uh, thank you for joining me. Hi, Katie. So, Steve, you have been doing this for a long while now. You have 30 years of experience in data center operations and more than 10 years experience in cloud. And you've held roles as a CIO, CTO, and COO. If we're talking about patterns, right now it's obvious that we're all experiencing with COVID-19 something unprecedented. What are you hearing from customers? Well, it's a very fluid situation still. We're kind of adopting on a week-to-week basis. But the one thing that we are doing the most of right now is listening to our customers. Customers started to change their priorities uh, in the latter part of 2019 and early 2020. Customers were on a path for modernization of their infrastructure and adopting innovation. Now, we've changed the direction a little bit right now. Our customers are asking us about trying to save money. What are some best practices that are emerging? We're working with many of our customers on optimizing their infrastructure. Some of them are resizing their infrastructure, scaling back that infrastructure. Uh, Some are preparing for expansion, actually, as they're getting their delivery business, for example, and they're getting higher demands out there. We're also helping them evaluate risks. We're looking at different savings plans or using spot instances, for example, to cut their costs. Some are starting to look a little bit longer term and look at changes to their outsourcing plans or looking at uh, exiting costly licenses. So we're kind of in that stage right now for some customers. We definitely saw that uh, customers that had plans to start exiting their data centers and were already sort of starting to do that work or in the middle of that work, they, they had a quick pause like everybody else had, and now they've even accelerated those efforts. So um, that's kind of an interesting playback. They want to move faster out of that because they do realize that they're still going to have a lot of cost pressures that stay with us for a long time. Interesting. Short term, what can people do if they are driven by cost pressures? If you're on AWS, engage our optimization experts to come in and help you take a look at what your needs are right now. We're partnering with our customers to try to reduce those costs as much as possible. And then in the, the, the medium-term business, we can oh, start just, looking at... Just to follow up on that, though, realistically, how long does that take? Very, It's very quick. We, within a number of days and, and a, a week or so, we can bring someone in and take a look. We have to obviously run some tools and take a look at the infrastructure and work with your architects and your systems operations folks. Uh, to understand exactly uh, what you're running and what your future near-term future needs are going to be. So you're saying an investment of a few days, bring in some 
cost optimization folks and they will run tooling and within a few days there should be some answers? Well, it definitely has some answers. It depends on your infrastructure on, uh, you know, how long and how deep we want to search into it. But very often we find things that, um, you know, we can optimize. And is that a very difficult process for the customer? I mean, do you have to open up a lot of permissions? Is there a lot of work that must go on on the customer side for the optimization to be done? Not really. A lot of the tools are uh, available already. We constantly try to do this with our customers anyway, but it's scaled up right now. That makes sense. So medium term, what are some steps that people can take? I think that this all has focused attention on our infrastructure cost overall, which we know, you know, after decades of layering on technologies and infrastructure, that we're not as efficient as maybe we convince ourselves that we are for on-premise or even colos. And one of the common things that I heard just before all this started was uh, interest in removing DR sites and using the cloud as their backup. And just recently, we've heard sort of the midterm attention being directed in that area. So looking at their DR sites and what they're spending there, changing the strategies, maybe downscaling those, leveraging the cloud for more and more of that. And then that often is leading into conversations about fast follow-ups for other migrations, primarily lift and shift. What can we lift and shift into the cloud as quickly as possible? So that we can, you know, maybe move things around inside multiple data centers that we have, maybe even exit our DR sites or exit a colo that's managing our DR. And how long does that process generally take? That's going to take a while. It's not exactly a full migration or a full transformation of your staff when you're looking at a DR site, uh, but it does take careful planning, of which we bring resources to bear to help out our clients do that. And uh, you'd have to determine what kind of backup and recovery you want to have, how operational you want to. And I think many customers are finding out that once they start doing that planning, that they can also start doing lifting and shifting of applications out of some of those sites uh, into the cloud and trying to reduce the cost at the same time. So that's something that you have to plan over at least a few weeks and maybe even a couple of months in order to get to your execution stage. But we can see most customers getting out of their uh, backup sites or doing lift and shifts roughly four to six months. And what are some typical savings that can be expected from that? Well, lift and shift savings still can look anywhere between, uh, you know, 20 to 35%, sometimes more depending upon how inefficient the organizations are. Obviously, you're looking at a DR site, you have equipment that's not being utilized very heavily. So, you know, your percentages and Uh, utilization improved very much. This is really great information for now as people are really interested in cost savings, as you're saying, some of the patterns out there. But surely this is information that can really help at any point. I mean, these are just some of the, I guess, low-hanging fruit cost savings options that are available to people. Absolutely. I, I think that it's going to lead us into a very interesting period where we're going to be very mindful of our costs, yet we still need to innovate and modernize, which is going back to the pre-2020 type of uh, attitudes. And uh, and that's a a very good thing because uh, sometimes when we go through these stages of innovation, um, we get a little loose because, you know, business is good. But I think it's it's, it's very uh, wise to take careful steps moving forward. Keep moving forward with your staff. Keep moving forward with your plans for infrastructure. um, But do so in a way that's going to help pay for itself. 
Yeah, that's super interesting. Let's expand upon that longer term. You know, obviously cost savings is a business driver right now, but that's always a business driver. Everybody likes to save money. Longer term, what are some best practices for being a modern enterprise? Well, the one thing that we have focused a lot of based upon our customers' needs was uh, when they do this transformation into the cloud, they want to spend time helping their staff be more productive. Very often, we're taking a staff that's running an on-premise environment, and we're training them up to use these new tools and capabilities. And as part of that, they get to examine their own processes um, that have been there for quite a long time, that have layered on top of each other, and they get to streamline things and become more productive. And as part of that, part and parcel of that is doing automation at the same time. So automating more things instead of putting them in checks and roadblocks, essentially, to moving forward on activities of faster provisioning, uh, faster allocation of authorizations. They're putting in guardrails and redoing their processes and their policies to adapt to the technology that's available to them. And that has given them a high level of productivity for their, their staff, which in turn then helps to address their customers' needs more quickly. You know, they're looking at that. They're also, again, they're looking at uh, their costs overall, such as long-term license agreements that they might have with hardware outsourcing or software licenses. They're re-examining what they can use, how they can change those licenses, migrate them, maybe use open source or other sources out there. We also see that they're trying to uh, bolster their security and their operational resilience at the same time. And so that, that all kind of comes in the box as they move forward. They get a chance to examine all the ways that they do those things and really truly transform their organization. And although that seems like a lot right now when we're trying to cut costs, I think as we move forward, we'll be doing that very carefully with a cost consciousness in mind. So Steve, why is innovation and modernization so important? I think there could be a lot of enterprises that are doing well. Why is this such a driver for a lot of organizations? Well, there's a couple reasons. Uh, one is that there are a lot of new technologies that are uh, available to customers, most of them coming out in, in cloud platforms, of course. So I think customers are seeing that and they're saying, well, we have to adopt to new environments. Uh, we have to adopt to uh, new capabilities that we, we need to have. And so they're investing in because they see those technologies and they see that they have to build a foundation for that work. So that often means their data, which is a valuable asset for them. And many times it's for applications that run their business. And as they start examining how to use their data better with new types of tools that may be out there like AIML or you know, large-scale uh, data management uh, analysis tools, they're also realizing that a lot of that data is tied into the applications that run their business. And when they look at that, they look at the businesses and they say, well, the needs of the business are changing, and we haven't really changed this application in a while. And so they are starting to examine what they need to do to those core applications at the same time that they're looking at their data. So that is what I would refer to as a building a foundation on, on top of some core applications that run the business and definitely the assets that they have inside their data right now. And if those are in the cloud, they have access to new types of tools and capabilities that they don't necessarily have on an on-premise situation. And so moving everything over into that development environment, 
being able to get quick access and uh, being able to scale up or scale down any of those while they're doing that development, all are very attractive propositions for customers right now. And you do have to think about it. I constantly think of it as an old mainframe person. I have to think about the fact that there are a lot of applications out there that haven't been upgraded or modified for a long time. And it's not that they're a burden, but they don't take advantage of new technologies and they may not be as flexible as we see uh, more recent applications being. So let's bring up something else though. We go, it goes a little bit hand in hand. The people component, customers, current employees, and how are they going to be ready for the cloud? They're not used to working that way. How can people address the people skills and perhaps skill gaps? Yeah, that is actually the toughest part of doing a migration is the people process part. The technologies have become very compatible now. And so we don't have as many issues, uh, even in older applications or infrastructures, being able to move them and run them in the cloud efficiently. But over decades, we've layered in processes and we have people that are used to their processes and and their procedures there. And so we spend a lot of time during our migration planning on helping them create an environment where their, their staff can stretch their legs, learn new things, break down barriers, streamline operations, uh, use totally different techniques than they had in the past, leverage as much automation as possible, and really turn into a more productive staff body as they use some of these new tools. And as you said, I've been doing this for a while, and there was a lot of resistance to those changes in the very beginning. But nowadays, when I walk in and I consult with a customer, I really see a lot of enthusiasm by, by all staff levels of learning new technologies and learning new ways of doing business based upon the new needs that are out there. And so it's very exciting to me, at least, to help do these types of migrations where we see not only just changes in the infrastructure, the changes in the processes, the procedures, the ways that they did do business, and see those staff grow into these new technology and capabilities. That is super exciting because it truly is going to the cloud is that catalyst to change and and shore up the foundation of an organization. It is. I, I've been doing automation my entire career and pushing the envelope. The nice thing I think about this evolution that we're having right now, which is a you know a major change for the infrastructure, is that it's been well thought out. It's taken a long time to get to this stage, but now we're really at a stage where an enterprise can take advantage of these things, and we're inventing new ways to manage our infrastructures more efficiently that we, I don't think we even had a vision for three or four years ago. So Steve, since you're here, what is one area that you think is underutilized that you, if you were on the other side, you would be going after hard? Well, I think that there are a lot of new technologies that are emerging right now. And many of them are coming into the cloud. And I think that I would have a very strong eye on my cost reduction efforts. That's always been a driver for the cloud. But looking towards modernization and using innovation for the marketplace, for the demands of our organizations, I think that has to be done. So it, it is definitely a balance that you have to have right now. I think you can't push only on innovation and technology without paying attention to your core infrastructure because it will hold you back. And you can't only drive down costs because someone will pass you by with a new technology. So having that, that nice balance, uh, doing both at the same time, 
I think is definitely uh, the formula for success going forward. Steve, great insights. Thank you so much. I want to turn now to some resources that we have for people who are interested in learning more about cloud migration. We'll put the URLs in the show notes, but want to tell you about a new page, aws.amazon.com slash cloud dash migration. That is one central place where you can learn more about migrating to AWS. On that page, you'll also find an assessment tool called the Cloud Adoption Readiness Tool, or CART. Steve, can you talk a little bit about CART? Who should take it and what can they expect? Right. So CART is derived from a um, essentially an all-day workshop that we, we run with our customers. And it examines their readiness to start migrating. And, and really what it does is it gives our customers a forum by which they can talk with experts. They can bring a team together. We go over a series of questions that are very uh, interesting for customers because they haven't thought about these things before. And it helps them do an evaluation of where they're at. So a little bit of AWS expertise is living in this tool. Um, it's about 16 questions, right? How long do you think it would take someone to finish that? Well, it's only a few minutes to get it done. And the one thing about the self-service is it's one person's perspective very often because they're answering it. Uh, you know, it, it's interesting to have it run across a couple of different people because they have slightly different interests. And the whole idea is to cause a dialogue. You know, as you mentioned before, migrating the cloud is very much about process and people now scaling them up, making their changes to their uh, capabilities, changing their minds about the way that they do things. And so some of these questions are basically designed to help you think about that approach and maybe dialogue with your internal team about those. And are there certain personas or roles who would benefit from taking CART? Yeah, the typical players, as I say, uh, you know, systems operations, developers that might be close to operations, your DevOps teams uh, are definitely candidates there. CIOs uh, and CTOs often take it just to get them thinking about what is needed to motivate their staff. I think it's for anyone that's interested in the infrastructure and the cloud right now, it's a good place to start. Steve, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. Yeah, you're welcome. 